ويان سورة الطور سورة نمبر 52 آية نمبر 1 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والطور وكتاب مسطور في رق منشور والبيت المعمور والسقف المرفوع والبحر المسجور إن عذاب ربك لواقع هذه السورة comes after والذاريات والذاريات we saw Allah works in perfect harmony until human beings come and misuse their volition, their ikhtiyar. And following that surah, Allah places this surah here, Surah Tur. Is about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nur coming down in certain forms of creation and how human beings can access that nur through their actions and uh, through their efforts and so on. The surah starts with a qasam, a qasam being an oath that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath through his creation to show the honor in the creation and to show the importance of that particular creation in his nidam, in his system. That Allah has placed all these props everywhere and human beings must appreciate the nidam, the system, why Allah has placed this creation here and this creation there. So what are the benefits of the qasam, the oath that Allah takes Allah? Obviously he is uh, Allah. Uh, But to show human beings that uh, the uh, system he has uh, arranged is with hikmah. It is not random. So here we are with tur, by the tur. The word tur in of itself means a mountain. Again, that tur means any mountain that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates. So mountains are of different types. There are mountains that, as you know, volcanic, and there are mountains that, um, you know, grow a lot of vegetation, a lot of trees, and uh, the mountains will... Uh, be the uh, resting place of so many different animals, so many different species, uh, so many different fruits, so many different vegetation, so many different plants and trees and leaves, etc. And uh, you see that the mountain becomes a habitat for, you know, Allah's other creation to live. There are other mountains that are barren, they just rock, and nothing grows there, and so on. So there are various types of mountains. And the mountains have a purpose, uh, which is, um, you know, to keep the earth 
steady, as Allah says. This one, tur, when it's used this way with the alif lam, with the definite article, it refers to Turisina, Mount Sinai, which is what the translation is. Mount Sinai is a Nabataean kind of mountain where the Musa uh, would use that route, use that route, and other travelers would use the route of the Nabataean kind of area in around Jordan, around the Sinai Desert, and so on. So anyway, this mountain is, is mentioned exclusively because it's one of the very, very few mountains, if not the only one, that accepts the nur of Allah, that it accepts the nur of Allah, and that is, that is its purpose. As perhaps you may see later on in what Tina was saying, So there's that Sinin and Sina, basically the same, and so on. So this is where Allah's Nur comes down, and the mountain is able to sustain it and carry it. It's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his tajalli, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Musa, and so on. So since all of this has to do with, um, you know, Allah's nur. Allah mentions the mountain here as Mount Tur. Or kitabi masturan by the book that is now inscribed. And it is written, maktub and mastur, and so on. This may obviously may refer to the Quran, it may refer to the Loh Mahfud, but it is a book. Well, the book sometimes doesn't necessarily have the alphabet and the words the way we speak it. It may be written in a different way, in a different language altogether, which is then deciphered into Arabic and so on. Right? Like the Lohe Mahfud, where all of our actions and deeds are written. Okay, they're not written with the alphabet, they're written in another language. You should not be shocked with that because we have now digital language and we have now AI language also. <laughs> yeah. So it's not beyond human comprehension to say, oh, there's a book without any letters in it. And so the Sahaba, not knowing this, their Iman was Bilghayb, and they probably saw what's written there. So, you know, the only of Allah see things that we don't see. Them. Right? So Imam Ghazali, rahmullah, says that there's so much knowledge written on the wings of angels. Now you don't figure. <laughs> right? What kind of language is that? So it's beyond, you know, human abilities nowadays. It wasn't beyond human abilities before, but now it is. So we don't have that type and that, uh, you know, standard of knowledge. Uh, and we can see as, you know, the more we become closer to Qiyamah, the easier it is to understand these ayat and understand Qiyam. Yeah. Our Shaykh Qari Tayyab used to say, this is in the 80s, that the more advanced human beings become in science, technology, the easier it will be to explain Qiyamah and the Day of Judgment. It will be easier to explain Jannah and Jahannam because they will be coinciding. 
Yeah, so Kitab Mastur is written from the word Satar, which means a line, or also means to write, and so on. So you see that the writing doesn't necessarily have to be uh, in the convention of how human beings speak on earth. It could be a very different language, maybe just lines, maybe just dots, maybe anything else. It depends on the arrangement, what the order of the writing and the shapes and forms and figures are. But Allah has now taken an oath by the mountain upon which Allah's nur descends and by the nur that is inscribed in a book in the heavens and so on. It is on um, a material which is used for writing and it is spread out. When you do the tafsir of the Quran with the Quran, you get a sense of these types of interpretations that it is spread out, it is so wide and so spread out. And so on. So it'd be a very fine parchment. Maybe the, the inner hide of animals are used, as you know, they're used for writing and for scrolls and all of that. But this one is huge. It will spread out across across the heaven. Uh, it will take all the horizon uh, in order for you to be able to see it. It is that spread out as, uh, you know, so when the heavens are scrolled, so there's scrolling. So when you unscroll paper, it becomes very, very wide and very spread out. So this is to show that Allah subhanahu wa actually does actually write out the script. So the script is there, the Quran is there, it is written. And all of this nur will then be perceived and uh, procured uh, through a spiritual exercise. And those who um, are privy to that level of spiritual exercise and ibadah, uh, they have a place where they meet and they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is al-bayt al-ma'mur. The house that is inhabited when the night of event of Miraj, the Prophet was taken to the seventh heaven. There the Prophet saw a house which is right above the Kaaba, straight up. And there there was a house in which there were angels. That house is called Al Baytul Ma'mur. The inhabited, well, um, inhabited because the Prophet said every day 70,000 angels enter that house, which is like the Kaaba here on earth, and they all make du'a, du'a, dhikr, and uh, no angel will be allowed to revisit the house once they visit it once. Uh, so 70,000 new angels every day come and frequent the house, but that's in the heavens. Now, what is all this? So the, you see now the nur of Allah coming down, and from that nur, you have these creation. So the tour is a creation of Allah. Al-Bayt al-Ma'mur is a creation of Allah. 
and uh, angels are able to perceive and procure that nur and then worship Allah and then the cycle goes on. Uh, so what is there now for human beings? Human beings must know the heavenly composition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nizam and system. These are the components there. Okay? These are the, you know, the, the apartments, the houses, the habitat, and all of that. So Allah is now giving human beings access to that nizam through wahi, okay? through revelation and so on. So this is not accessible by observing through the telescope. You can shoot a telescope there, you won't find this because you need an eye of Iman first. You need the lens of Iman. If you don't, don't have Iman, you won't see this. And, uh, and then the tool of Ibadah enhances your ability to see. If you don't have Ibadah again, you won't see it because you don't have the energy, you don't have the power, uh, and you don't have the spiritual abilities to do that. So, so this now is wahi from Allah, and uh, the Bedouin Arab and the Quraysh, as they are travelers and they see all of this in the skies, they know nothing of this. And as they know nothing of this, they are mesmerized by the Prophet reciting these ayat. So now they're dumbfounded, so they don't know what to do. They say, why is he speaking like this? Like, we can't deny it because he's talking about the heavens. And we can't say it's not there because he says it's there. So they call him a magician, they call him a shair, they call him a majnoon because they are not able to wrap their minds around uh, this level of knowledge and the intensity of this knowledge and the detail that this knowledge brings to uh, the human experience. Okay? Yeah. So when you're unraveling the human experience through the Quran, then uh, you are dumbfounded. So you, you have one of two things, either you accept or you reject. You reject because you simply do not know how this is possible. Then you say, Inna Allah ala kulli qadir. Allah is capable of doing anything. And number two, Rabbana ma khalaqta hadha ba'atana subhanak. Allah doesn't create anything in vain. Subhanak. He is much more glorified than creating anything in vain. So you see the, the, this huge mass of you know the galaxies when you look at the sky uh, as they used to do when they're traveling even in Mecca then no, no lights then so you can see this enormous enormous canopy and you see the star-studded skies in the, in the evening and you see how you're able to navigate using those stars and using the light at night uh, to do something for yourselves here then this one who claims to be a Nabi says, wait a minute, there's much more than that beyond the stars. Right? So how do you engage with such a person who knows so much? And he knows this much because he's seen all of it when he went up there. Yeah, so, this how, so the Quran is giving human beings a prescription and a formula by which they can engage with the whole cosmos. The whole cosmos, not just the stars and the first heaven or the sun and the moon uh, and the planets, etc. 
there is much more out there than what the eye sees. And when that happens, you have to be in a state of humbleness. You have to bow down to Allah, who is the creator of this. And then you have to stop thinking that this world is it and there's nothing after this world and so on. So even in your sense perception, you are limited. And Wahi creates for you a platform which is a million times broader than the platform of your empiricism. Much more than your poetry and your imagination can fathom and write about, and you know, write lyrics and songs and poems about, and so on. So this is the Quran is a direct challenge to human intellect. So when the poets are listening to this, and they are now the super intellectuals, and the philosophers are listening to this, and the super super intellectuals, what is this? We sound like morons. Right? We're just idiots, we don't know anything. And why? Because you don't have the other tool of knowing. And the other tool of knowing is to listen to a truthful report, a khabr sadiq, that you listen to a truthful report from a Nabi and you take knowledge from that report, otherwise known as the Quran and Sunnah. And when you take knowledge from that source, then you are almost, you know, not in need of the other source of knowledge. The other source of knowledge, which is functional, is needed for you to navigate life. How to live, how to build houses, how to make food, how to engineer, how to do infrastructure, and how to cook, and all of that. How to build bridges, and even how to, you know, cure the human body if necessary. That's functional knowledge. This, this is beyond you. This is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his father, gave this knowledge to a Nabi who is unlettered. He doesn't read or write. So that was the greatest challenge for everybody in Makkah, especially the Quraysh, and even in, 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 the, in the, the ideas that people inherited from other people. Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I'm swearing by these realities. The oath, the qasr. I'm swearing by these, these realities exist. The tour, the tour of Sina exists. You can see it, it's tangible. You visit it. And this kitab, that is there on which everything is written. And then this parchment, that is there, uh, which is spread out across the heavens. And the Bayt al-Ma'mur, which is there and frequently inhabited by creation. Mm. So the idea that there's no creation beyond the earth Oh, is that totally ridiculous? There are so many different species of creation that exist on earth and also in the heavens. Al-Baytul Ma'mur, 70,000 visit that place every day. And uh, no one will do a repeat hajj. <laughs> yeah. Once an angel has visited Al-Baytul Ma'mur, that's it. His turn won't come again until Qiyamah. Wasaqfil marfu'ah. Yeah, the roof that is risen, yeah, which is high, marfur, that is given height, and so on. So the, the, the heaven is very, very high, it's very deep and very high, and beyond our imagination, and so on. But it's a roof. Yeah, it's
Again, making tafsir of the Quran with the Quran, uh, which is an art, and that's the first rule. Al Quran The Quran explains itself that the sky is actually a roof, a canopy on top of you. You don't see it. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have a roof above your head, and that roof one day will be broken, will be torn apart. Uh, so you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, giving human beings a lesson in cosmology. How do you map the universe? So never mind mapping the universe, understand these realities exist first. Right? And as I said, the only way you can ascertain, perceive, procure from those realities is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibadah is the only way to do that. And that's why you have al-Bahr al-Masjur. Bahr obviously means the sea. And Masjur, there are different interpretations to the word Masjur. One is that it is something that lights up, something that catches fire. As the Quran says, that when the time when the seas will explode with fire, the seas will be litten and the fire will be there. As you know, well, underneath the, the, the sea and the ocean, as you know, the, you have the crust. Uh, underneath the crust, there's molten and there are different types of fire and everything else under the sea. So if the sea now erupts and opens up, as you know, from a volcano, etc., right, you'll see fire coming out. So it's not beyond uh, the realm of possibilities hey, that fire comes out from the sea and water is actually on top of fire which is a, another mojiza of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's another translation, uh, not too convincing, but it, it does come, it means something that is filled with water. Masjur itself is something that's filled usually with water. So that's another interpretation of this ayah, but the other one is probably better in terms of its uh, you know, reasonability and so on. So all of these forms of Allah's creation, they all add up to one thing, and that is Allah is capable of creating anything. Allah's might and power is beyond your imagination, and it is beyond you. So when Allah says that the day of judgment is coming, and then, God forbid, if you're there, then the punishment of Allah will also be there, then you get the answer, the response to the khasam, that indeed the punishment of your Lord is happening, is going to happen, it is inevitable to show human beings that you, you must not see this as inconceivable, you must see this as real, which is the ultimate reality. You see in the surah that will come later. So when this happening will happen. So what's the point? The point is to convince human beings that Allah is capable of doing anything, especially when he says he's going to do it. And, yeah, so you must not be in this mood and mode of denial and kufr that you reject everything that the Quran says. Or you reject anything that the Rasul says, that you must now treat this 
with a high degree of respect and you must believe it. Uh, so Iman and faith is the first point of knowledge where if you believe you will gain knowledge. If you don't believe you will be ignorant and you will be jahil. So, uh, so here uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing the Quraysh and uh, reassuring the Prophet sallallahu the punishment of your Lord, O Muhammad your Lord is saying that this is happening. So when he's saying first, you must believe with conviction, it's happening. And when you believe this is happening, your job is to save humanity. And what does it mean for the Quraysh and the Kuffar? Get your act together. What does it mean for the Rasul? You have to save humanity. That's what it means. So it's added responsibility upon the Nabi. So obviously it comes down on the Nabi like a ton of bricks. It's not easy for the Nabi to hear in the Rabbika, the punishment of your Lord. You see, that pronoun makes a huge difference. So in the Rabbihim, the punishment of their Lord is very different from the punishment of your Lord. So the address is to the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, that you have seen and observed all of these realities in Miraj, and you've seen that these exist. Once you have observed and witnessed these realities, then you must warn people that if you do this, this will happen. So, in the realm of cause and effect, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is that the cause is kufr, and the effect is punishment. Very simple. Hmm? At the kind of a cosmological level, cause and effect. Kufr, by definition, by nature, has this result inherent in it. There's nothing you can do to stop it except Allah's Father. Except dua. You can't stop it. Just as fire is going to burn, cause and effect, this fire, it will burn. Likewise, kufr will bring what? Allah's punishment. Huh? It's very rational in the Islamic sense. But for that, you have to understand what is the cosmos. And things happen only through cause and effect. And there's no other explanation. Yeah. So, punishment comes because people don't believe that Allah's nur descends on creation. These are all forms of creation. Allah's nur comes upon a mountain. Allah's nur is written. Allah's nur is spread out. Allah's nur is encapsulated in a heavenly house where angels go and worship. Allah's nur is with this high-rise, heavenly kind of roof that protects you. Allah's nur is with the sea, where the sea is capable of being lit. Allah's nur then comes upon you as a Nabi, as a Rasul. And when you don't see the nur of Allah as a Rasul, then that is kufr. Yeah. If you deny that nur and you don't see it, how do you see it? You accept bilghayb in the unseen. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you accept the unseen and in the unseen, then you're protected. You're protected in the sense that you'll be spared of the consequences of kufr. 
Amen. So that is how the Rasul sees these ayat. <coughs> this, this is how the Sahaba are reading these ayat with the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is no way to repel it. It has no means by which you can repel Allah's punishment. Except Iman. Except Dua. Huh? Yeah. So this is the power of Iman overrides the natural effect of kufr. And that's the only way you're going to save humanity from humanity. So the Rasul's job now is to save humanity from this doom, from this punishment, which is inevitable. For that, you need certain sifat. You need certain qualities. You need certain attributes, which are now highlighted in the rest of the uh, surah. يَوْمَ تَمُورُ السَّمَاءُ مَوْرًا وَتَسِيرُ الْجِبَالُ سَيْرًا So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a taste of the day of judgment. When this now um, creation of Allah known as the heavens and earth, when a time comes where they, they have overstayed their welcome. So Allah is halim, Allah is tolerant. That he'll allow things to happen, 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 happen until uh, there's no steam left. (laughs) And then when that time and day comes, that's the day. When the, uh, what do you call it, the the heavens will be shaking, very severe shaking. Mawr, tamur. It will be quivering and it will be, you know, made... uh, rendered asunder and it will just collapse and cave in yeah so that's a spectacle you don't want to see and you don't want to be there because that is truly the greatest punishment on earth at least so here we see that now how do you protect the sky from caving in all right so you have now you know what you call it a global warming for which human beings are responsible, every one of us, we're responsible for that at the physical level and also the spiritual level, both. So we must do what we can. We must do our share of making sure there's no global warming. We have to stop it somehow, either through dua or liver or by not using, you know, things that are going to be detrimental to the environment and pollute the environment with pollutants and everything else that we should at least make some effort to make sure that we don't destroy ourselves. Hmm? It's a reality. But more than what you call it, global warming, here Allah is talking about cosmological warming. Never mind that. Think of this. So kufr and shirk is the anti, is antithetical to uh, helping the planet survive. The planet won't survive if there's kufr and shirk. The only reason it survives is because Allah's fadl and because of the good deeds and du'as that Muslims make. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah. Huh? So, yeah, that uh, human beings must realize this and uh, Muslims uh, obviously must not be too nonchalant about global warming. Don't say, yeah, it's no big thing. It is a big thing. You are responsible. If there's a fire in your house, you better put it out. <laughs> right? Don't say, no, it's my neighbor's problem. It's not your neighbor's problem. It's your problem. Deal with it. Do as much as you can. Speak about it. Make sure 
you don't, you know, consume the wrong stuff and make sure you, when you're talking, uh, promote the good stuff. That's your watawasal bil haqqu, watawasal bil sabr. You have to do that as an individual Muslim. Uh, and secondly, your responsibility is that muruna bil ma'ruf that you have to avoid kufr, you have to stop kufr, you have to stop the actions of kufr, and you have to now somehow uh, tell people, inform people, you got to stop sinning. This sinning business is no good, it's going to destroy you, it's going to destroy me. That's the other obligation. And it is an obligation on every Muslim, in their capacity, as much as you can do. The very least is dua. Yeah, so don't be nonchalant. This qiyam is not coming here, it is coming. Right. Abu Bakr was speaking to the Prophet and he said something like I can't quote the hadith I don't remember the words then inshallah I will do this uh, before the next salat the Prophet because he's Abu Bakr said to him Abu Bakr you're talking about the next salat I don't know if I'll exist in the next few minutes hmm. Hmm. Right, so that level of observation and prophetic reasoning. You'll talk about the next lot. The whole time is cutting in half an hour, one hour. I don't know whether I'll survive the next few minutes because of Allah's, no. it's only because of Allah's rahmah. Um, so when the Prophet is saying, Allahumma inni a'udhubika min fitnati masihid dajjal, it is not ta'lim lil ummah. Don't say that. That is a kind of you know, atrocious ta'wil of the hadith. And ulama don't like, don't say that the Prophet is now showing the ummah that you have to make dua so that you're preserved and saved from the, the jab. The Mahakakun say, no, he actually felt that way. He felt that there's a need for me to be protected from the, the jab. That's why he's asking Allah, he's out of adab and humbleness, but also out of fear. Right? Yeah, so we can't be holy than thou. Follow the Prophet Sassam, you won't go wrong. Follow the Sunnah. So now the idea that I'll do this tomorrow, do this in procrastination, this and that, that's on the assumption that you're here tomorrow, which is in functional world, it's fine, mashi, you know. But in reality, that if you want to be at the level of a Siddiq, you can't afford to think that way, never mind say it. So the Prophets don't think that way, that they're going to survive. And they only rely and trust on Allah alone and no one else as well. مَا لَهُ مِنْ يَوْمَ تَمُورُ السَّمَاءُ مَوْرًا وَتَسِيرُ الْجِبَالُ The jibal, the mountains that are so formidable, so stubborn, so resolute, so durable, yeah, that they will now start to fly in the sky. They'll be like carded wool, as the other ayah says. And so on. So nothing is stable when the time comes to be destroyed. So there is a point, there's a sa'a, there's a moment in the universe when everything will be destroyed. Nothing is that stable. That's the message that the Qur'an gives to all the Anbiya and the, the Sahaba. And when the Sahaba are using this, that we better get things done now. And that's what gives them their tawakkul, it gives them their iman, it gives them their formidability, it gives them their courage, their strength. 
their bravery and their aggressiveness in Amal al-Salih, that they want to do this now and not wait for anything else to come about. So here we see that the, 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 the Quran emphasis that as, as a world view, first of all, you must appreciate that how Allah has created this alam, okay, this world, which is the, the cosmos, is beautiful. It is organized, it is structured, and everything has its place. But there are many other forms of creation that you don't know, you don't see, you don't hear, you don't perceive. They are beyond you, so you have to leave that window and that door of knowledge open and you don't close the door because your instruments don't allow you to see them. So you have the telescope, which gives you the macro, and you have the microscope, which gives you the micro. Beyond that, there's so much out there. What is out there? This is out there. Who tells us this? The Nabi. That is Khabar Sadiq. Who informs the Nabi? Allah himself who created all this. So, once you know this is a formidable creation, then you will believe Allah is capable of creating anything. So you go forward in life with your objectives and your purposes, knowing Allah is capable of doing everything. What you need to do is follow the path. What you need to do is follow the rules. What you need to do is make sure the method is correct. And what you need to do is make sure you believe is going to happen. You cannot start a project if you don't believe is going to work. Right? That's called being a squirrel. Do I cross the road or not cross the road? So there, the firm intention of a believer is the key to the success of the believer. You must have azam. You must have resolve. You must be determined. And you must believe it's going to happen. If you don't believe that, then don't do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. The sign of a munafiq is always fluctuating between this and that. So that's why the Prophet didn't like people to take too much time in resolving issues and to make up your mind as to what you're doing. People nowadays, unfortunately, they make a for a year. And what the heck, the ship sails by that time. You'll miss the boat, literally. <laughs> All right. So that's the way of firm intention and resolve. Now, sometimes things do take time. In, in, in obviously in, in time and space and in the cause and effect, some things will take time, but you must be absolutely determined to do it first. If you're not determined to do it, then obviously you have to move on to something else which is just as good or better uh, for you. So this is now the, 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 the practice of the Sahaba, as you'll see. In, 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 in coming ayat, you will see this level of resolvement resolution that's necessary for all human beings. The more resolve you, ha you, you have, the better your productivity. And people, communities, societies, civilizations who know what they're doing, and they do it, whether good or bad, they get things done. And those who are always, maybe here, maybe not, maybe not they never get anything done. Yeah. So it's now, how do you process this? That Allah is the creator. 
What has he created? He's created everything. He's created things we don't know of, and yet the uh, cosmos still survives, and it still has a system, it still has order, it still has organization. What we need to do is now use our intention and use our volition uh, so that we can also process that might and power that Allah has. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then give you the tawfiq and he'll allow you to be successful and the results will come. So this is obviously for the Nabi sallallahu First and foremost, that resolve the in your mind that you are a Nabi, which was the first challenge. When you are kind of given this kind of responsibility is daunting to say the least, but it's incredible also. So you're not in sync with the task. You say, this is impossible. I can't do this. How can I do this? It is beyond me. So the Quran then gives reassurance in various ayat to the Prophet. Indeed, you are from those who have been sent. That's to reassure them that you know, not only are you capable, you are going to do this. So that kind of you know, stimulation from the divine to the Prophet really helps the Prophet stand up, qum, stand, fandir, and then warm. So that also through divine fadl and divine tawfiq that prophets have resolved and they have determination because Allah inspires them and they are inspired through ibadah. The more ibadah you have, the more inspirational you are and the more inspiration you have in doing things. That's why salat five times a day is necessary for uh, the Muslim to exist. For Muslims to derive resolve, determination from the divine, they need to worship him. So one is obviously you have a pep talk uh, and then you have charts and you have ideas that are out there uh, that this, if you do this, this will happen. And the other is the botany the inner spiritual connection to the divine that you have, that is through dhikr, dua, Quran, salawat, and nabi, and salat, and so on. So this is now the formula. And the formula for the Prophet is that he must attach himself to the creator, not to the creation. The creation is huge, superb. Look at the heavens and the skies and everything else Allah has enumerated here. It is beyond our imagination. So wail and woe be unto those who are in denial, those who deny the reality, the truth, and who deny the haq, and so on. Those who are in speculation and vanity, indulging. Yeah. Those who just spend their time speculating, fantasizing, and denying and playing around with their ideas and with their theories and they have no truth behind them and uh, so they they are very very what do you call it uh, more like introverts not willing to explore anything beyond what they think they know they they they're like a a little what do you call it a frog in a very small well Okay. So for this frog that's in this well, the only dunya and the world he knows is the four walls of the, of the well. Until one day it decides to go on top of the well and see, hey, where is 
huge universe, aren't you? <laughs> then it goes into a cultural shock. What the heck? Right? That's what happens in the grave. You're in this small little well and you're roaming around in the four walls of the well. And then when you go to the Khobar, it's a cultural shock. What is this? Very different world. That cultural shock yeah, is the beginning of the punishment. Yeah, which is what the ayah is saying. Yawma yuda'una ila nari jahannam da'a. So we'll deal with that next time. This is about knowledge, it's about iman, yaqeen, it's about knowing what Allah creates. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that there are things that you know and you may be able to ascertain through your knowledge and through your tools of knowing, but there are things that you don't have access to. Wahi is going to give you access to those realities that you don't have access to, meaning through the intellect and through empiricism. And so on, because wahi is the the highest form of knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delivers to a human being, namely the prophets, alayhi wasalam. So, as you can see now, the impact on the Quraysh, the impact on leaders, the impact on world leaders, and the impact on rulers and kings, that when they're listening to the Quran, they say, wait a minute, you think you have an arsh? So Allah has an arsh. <laughs> You think you have a kursi? Allah has a kursi. What's his kursi? What's his kursi? His kursi encompasses all the heavens and the earth. That's how big his kursi is. How big is your kursi? <laughs> right? You probably fall down if you said too much on it. So now Allah has said that the kingdom requires props. So all of these props that Allah mentions about himself, Ar-Rahman, the Arsh, the throne, and the Kursi, and this here, all of these forms of props that we have here in this surah, and so on. So we see, Allah is saying that, yes, your world may be a miniature, minuscule representation of the real world in the cosmos. So this is This is a small world, and that's a large world. So the way the small world is going to work is if it mimics and copies the nidam, the system of the big world. And that big world is regulated by ibadah, by dhikr, by dua, by tasbih of the angels, and the angels performing the task without disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how you come to there's, there's a compromise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now through his generosity is informing the Rasul so that the Rasul may inform people. Okay? If Allah doesn't inform the Rasul, then the Rasul won't say anything. And then it has to be tabligh. So whatever the Rasul delivers is by instruction of Allah. I want you to tell people this is how reality is. So these are sparks of realities that we must appreciate from the divine. So one, it builds a worldview. These ayat build a worldview. I want to conquer the world. Which world? <laughs> Which is this world worth conquering? You really, want to, you really want to rule this world? No, I don't think so. It's not worth ruling. 
The sun, the moon, the stars, they all disappear. <laughs> they set. I don't like anything that sets. And you truly want to be a governor, a king, a president of this world? So that was removed from the Sahaba. That they had no intention of ruling the world. They weren't made for that job. So that's why they say any of the ten, Ashra Mubashara, uh, would have been capable of ruling the Khilafah. That's Al-Qaeda. And especially the, 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 the committee Umar assigned, of six Sahaba, any of those six would have been perfect for the Khilafah. There was no doubt. You know, it's just a question of merit, Fadila, and so on. So I said that when, when, when you understand there's much more to existence than earth, that's why Samawat are important. And that's why Al Bayt al Ma'mur is important. MashaAllah, obviously, you go to the Kaaba for Ibadah, but I think of 70,000 angels going there every day and they don't get a second turn. So, what is it that you're after? So, the Rasul doesn't want the dunya. He says, Give me the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left hand, I won't give up this. He ain't interested in government and you know political theory and all of that nonsense. He's only interested in doing what Allah wants him to do. And that's what he did. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anyway, we'll continue with this next time. Jazakallah khair for coming. Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanakallah bihamdi. Nashadallah ilaha illa anta nastaghfirika natubilik subhanallah. We'll do salat when the time comes in. Salatullah.